For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. So you do excavating in Ohio. That's correct. When did you start excavating in Ohio? When did you start excavating? What Take us all the way back. Uh, all the way back, you know, I was probably like a lot of the guys that are in this industry. You know, I was the five-year-old that uh, enjoyed, you know, the trucks and, and everything. And uh, I was fortunate. My dad worked for a, a, a private water utility. Mm-hmm. So he was he was out on the cruise working and occasionally I'd get to go along to work and, and whatnot. And then uh, like backhoes uh, and that kind of backhoes, stuff. Backhoes, that, that sort of thing, fixing water main breaks, yeah. making making water taps. So um, I was a kid that if like a backhoe showed up in the neighborhood, the other kids would go look at it for five minutes and I would stay all day. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, I had that background, but my dad, as, as he progressed in his career, became a manager at the, the water department. And I would go out on main breaks. I would go out and just ride with them in the summer mm-hmm. and I would show up on jobs and I kept saying, I want to do this. I want to do this. And he's like, no, you need to go to college. You need to well, do that. That's a that's a very thankless job. Yep. Because water mains don't break during business hours. Right. <laughs> they they break whenever they want to break. And that's yep. middle of the night, that's weekends, that's Christmas. And then when they break, it's not like, yeah, no, we'll get around to it Monday. You need to go fix it pretty quick. Or, right. Right. <laughs> or else there's consequences. And so that's a tough gig. And I guess uh it's that being said, like, you know, I was the kid that uh He'd get a call at midnight. Hey, I got to go out with the crew. I'd say, Hey, can I ride along? Mm. And that's where I learned to drink coffee, cuss, you know, do all the, <laughs> sure. you know, all the fun stuff. And uh, so I went on a job with him. It was one Saturday. He was checking on a contractor, and I'm 15 years old. And guys like, What are you doing with yourself? And I was like, I'm, you know, I got a little lawn business. I'm mowing lawns. And my dad said, Yeah, he wants to be an excavator. And the guy was like, No way. You just, you need to go to college. You need mm-hmm. to go to college. And uh, I ended up um, saying, man, I'd really like to try it. He goes, well, you come, you come with me for a day and I'll show you what it's about. And uh, I was hooked. You know, I, I went out with him for a day and I didn't have the, uh, the best first day. We were the, in the first uh, hour or two, we were setting a manhole, the big casting, and we were standing next to it. And he said, okay, I'm going to count to three and then we're going to drop this thing. And when he dropped it, um, I pulled my fingers out too slow and I actually degloved all four of these oh. fingers. So that was 15 years old oh. and uh, that was the first day on the job. That so, is brutal. And I was hooked. 
I was, I uh, yeah. went, got stitched up. They wouldn't let me work for a couple of weeks and I went right back. And, uh, yeah, I was fortunate. He, um, him and his father, they were a father son team. The father had worked for a large highway contractor and they just knew how to do things right. And they were patient, but they were hardworking. And I, I just learned from those guys. And then, uh, the next summer I was getting ready to, um, go to Ohio state to begin my college career needed to pay for college and uh, went back to those guys and they said, Hey, we don't have enough to keep you busy. So I called another excavating contractor and, and they, uh, they hired me, but they didn't think they didn't realize that I'd worked. Even though I said that I'd worked for another excavator, they didn't really uh, understand that I actually had a little bit of experience. So they put me in the shop and it was the best thing. I, their, their shop really needed organized and I'm a neat freak and I enjoy uh, organizing things. So I went through and I filled like five dumpsters full of trash, a couple scrap dumpsters. I learned how to run a bobcat, an excavator, a wheel loader. Their shop floor was never cleaner. I organized their tool cage. And uh, I was just fortunate at Ohio State, we were on quarters. So we went back later than everybody. They sent the other, the other college kids went back to school. And uh, I ended up going out on a crew and working for them for the final month, month and a half of the season. And uh, I was able to earn the respect of the foreman and whatnot. And I got to lay water main. I got to be on a grading crew, just getting a little taste of everything. And uh, I did that two more summers uh, to pay for college. You can tell a lot about a shop or a company, just company culture in general, by walking into a shop and just looking around. It doesn't take you very long to look around and you learn so much. And even just how clean the floor is. Right. And not even how tidy things are, but even just how clean the floor is, it makes a big difference. Correct. And, and I've, I've seen, you know, there's people that, oh, it's a shop. Like, of course, it's going to get just disgusting. But I've seen a lot of shops that are completely spotless all the time. Yep. And it's pretty like, like painted floor, shiny floor, and they have mining equipment in there. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it looks like a NASCAR shop. Yeah, but yeah. It's, a, it's, it's in construction. So what... Um, why do you think your dad was so adamant about you going to college and not being in the industry? I think it was what, what was just occurring in that era. That's, you know, um, my grandparents were depression era people. My, my dad uh, had an associate's degree in, in civil engineering that he worked for at night. And uh, I, I think that my mom, she started out as a, a beautician and then she became a realtor. So they kind of went from being middle class to working themselves to upper middle class. And it was the thing to do. You, you, you encourage your kids to go to college, mm -hmm. uh, get the degree. So, you know, I'm, I'm in college, I'm studying business and marketing, I'm paying for it, doing excavating, kind of learning the trade. And, uh, um, I had this amazing marketing professor my sophomore year that said, Hey, if you want to, if you want something in life, you got to go out and get after it. So this is like 1996. Um, Internships were popular or, or just starting to take off. They're not like as formal in that. So um, I wrote letters to every dealer in Columbus. Cat, hmm. you know, uh, John Deere, Komatsu, uh, Bobcat, everybody. And I was fortunate. I got four, four responses back and four interviews. And uh, ultimately, I interviewed with, uh, uh, now it's Murphy Tractor, but a John Deere dealer in Columbus. And they said, hey, we have no formal internship program, but if you're willing to come in and work in parts and service, 
and prove yourself, within time you'll become a salesman for us. So I thought this was the uh, perfect job. I love excavating, but everybody in my world is telling me, hey, you should really get a degree and, and do something more white collar than blue collar. So, mm-hmm. so it was the, I thought it was the perfect compromise. So ended up uh, working for the John Deere dealer and uh, it was an amazing experience. So what's your, what's your dad think about you still going into the industry? It bonded us actually. So mm-hmm. even though he's encouraging college, I, I was always close to my mom. You know, if, if I had girl troubles or whatever, I'm, I'm calling my mom mm-hmm. and talking about, but my dad and I, we needed something like that. It became a, a neat tool because we'd talk shop and then it would lead to, to the real world stuff. They encouraged me. They, they knew I was, I enjoyed working hard and I enjoyed making money. I'd had a lawn business in high school. I had, a, you know, buddies working for me and that. So I, I really, they encouraged me and they said, just please just get, get through and get the paper. We don't care what you do. We just like you to, to have the degree. So um, I worked for the John Deere dealer. It was awesome. I, I worked in, in service, sweeping the floors, just helping the, the guys uh, in parts. I was parts runner, but uh, in that position, I got to go to all the excavating companies in mm-hmm. Columbus. So Kokosin's one of the biggest highway contractors in Ohio, just an yeah. awesome company. Well, I get to go put filters away in their three football field shop. Mm-hmm. So I learned how a shop should be laid out. Um, it was just, it, it was an incredible experience. So I uh, did that for, I don't know, a year or so. And then they said, as I was approaching my senior year, they said, hey, uh, we'd like you to be a, a, a sa- salesman, but you got to prove yourself. You're going to be an intern. So they gave me the customer list and it was back those old printouts where it uh, had the tabs on it. And they gave me this big pack and they said, nobody's looked at our customer list in years. Will you go through it and call every single person to see if they're dead or alive, basically. So, so I I would call, so I learned how to, how to call people, which is a very, very difficult thing to do for a lot of people. So I I learned how to do that. Yeah. I cleaned up their customer list and I I rated people by number of pieces. I was asking questions. How many pieces of equipment do you have? Why haven't you bought John Deere equipment in a while? That sort of thing. So prove myself. So my, uh, final quarter at Ohio State, they said, hey, we want you to be our small implement salesman. So they gave me, you know, I hadn't even graduated. I got a company truck, a trailer, and I drug around skid steers. And I had uh, uh, about five counties that I covered. So I was finishing school full time and, and um, earned a, uh, a position with them. So it's amazing what uh, a little initiative gets you. Yep. And that's... Um... The amazing thing about the dirt world and what I, t- what I tell kids is if you're not working in your summers, especially in college, what, what the hell are you doing? Right. That's, that's like the best possible combination. If you want to go get a degree, get a degree, but that doesn't rule out working in the field. Go work in the field simultaneously or go work in a shop or go do right. whatever you can at the bottom in those summers. And then upon graduation, you're teed up to go do whatever the hell you want to do. Yep. Like you'll still go get the company truck. You'll get a damn good salary. You're going to be in a pretty good position. Yep. I have college age kids that may or may not want to be in the business, but I said, you, you need internships. That yeah. is your key. And, and I said that college is the only time that you can jump around. Not the only time, but it's a, a time where you can move around and it doesn't look bad on your resume. 
you probably don't have a mortgage. You know, you probably Correct. don't have kids you're supporting. Like there's really no downsides to hopping around as much. And that, that's why my plan was every year, different company because I could, Yep. yep. you know, and, and it's like, that was just my, my model. And then like I was at a company that closed its doors and everybody else was out of a job and yep. scared shitless or pissed or whatever it was. And I was over there like, well, I mean, I was going to be out of here in August anyway, so right. I'll just go get a job elsewhere. In construction too, one of the first things you have to figure out is what part of construction you want to get into. Okay, great. Construction. That's, that's a huge world, huge right. world. So go work for a GC one summer, go work for uh, a heavy civil contractor next summer. Maybe residential is exciting. Go work for a residential contractor, go work for an electrical sub, go work for an engineering firm, go work for a DOT, go try out a bunch of different stuff, not do all that. Right. If you do all that, good for you, but yep. go try different things out and Correct. don't, it's like, I see people, the loyalty, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I guess it gets you somewhere and maybe you're just in with a really great company and there's no reason to leave, but right. I encourage everybody to hop around as much as you can. Yeah. And, and I, even back to when I was working for excavators to work for a, a father and son and then to work for a 25 person company. Yeah, exactly. And then in, in there, I also worked for a six person company. Mm -hmm. So I saw different aspects in the good, the bad, but that, that experience allowed me to build my business today. And that's so. a, and that's a great point. I, I, I knew, okay, dirt, excavation, civil, that is my cup of tea. But I went, went to three different size companies. I right. did, you know, the small, local, the medium, and then the big multi-billion dollar international companies. Right. And it's a totally different, it's a totally different perspective at each on the same problem, essentially. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're humming along at Deer. Correct. And then where does the, uh, the excavation company come into the picture? So I'm, I'm living in Columbus. I'm married thinking about having a family i'm enjoying the job but i'm feeling that there's a compromise there you know it was a compromise i it was the balancing that marketing business degree with construction so compromises and it wasn't all in the direction you wanted to be going in. yeah i think that i was maybe doing it because that was what i was supposed to be doing or that's how mm. you use that yeah. You know, I went, to, I paid for college. Yeah. Now I got to yeah. use it the yeah. way it's supposed to be. And we're at a crossroads. My wife and I were very conservative people. Um, I'm not, a, I'm an entrepreneur that'll take risks, but I don't take risks like some of your other guests that have been on here. I right. listen to everybody. And so I, I'm doing it in a, in maybe a smaller box or window than most, but we had bought a house in Columbus. It was a dump. I, worked night every night and every weekend, uh, renovating myself. Uh, I had to rent a mini excavator to, you know, waterproof the foundation. And, nice. and I did my own landscaping in that and we get done and it's exactly what we want. And we're like, we need to move back. We were both from Maslin, Ohio, so we needed to move back. And, uh, but that renovation gave us the confidence Oh, we managed a project and kept it on budget and it, you know, um, it, it moved forward. And, and we were, we were fortunate that we had bought the smallest, worst house on the street mm -hmm. and the houses across the street from us were double the size. Mm. And we were on an acre lot in Columbus in a very, uh, good neighborhood. So we kind of abruptly said, Hey, 
if let's move back. And I said, well, if we're going to move back, what am I, what am I going to do for a job? And I'd always wanted to start a business. And, um, with my wife's support, she said, you know, no time's better than this. So we sold this house after having it one year. We're fortunate enough to, um, turn a profit on it. And we took a third of it, put it as a down payment on an excavator, third on a down payment on a house in our hometown. And a third of it was our, our small, small cash to, to get the business started. So, so that was, that was it. You know, we, we, uh, moved back to, to Maslin in 2000. And, uh, my last sale at the John Deere dealer was a, a John Deere 50 mini excavator, a trailer. And I found a used one ton dump truck in Columbus and, uh, and purchased that and, and moved back, uh, uh, in May of, of 2000. So how did you get your first job? I was very fortunate. So the one thing, you know, Columbus is high growth. Nashville's high growth. Maslin, Ohio is not high growth. Mm -hmm. It's an hour South of Columbus or of Cleveland, two hours North Columbus. How many people are there? Um, 35,000, okay, yeah. you know, next door is Canton, Ohio, Pro Football Hall of Fame, mm, Akron's 20 minutes yeah, yeah. north there. So it's, it's not that it's this uh, rural community by any means, but it's not high growth. Um, a lot of, uh, went through a lot of hard times with the steel industry, leaving Northeast Ohio, mm-hmm. Rust Belt, all these things. But, but uh, the beauty of Maslin is community. You know, my, my, uh, my grandmothers both just passed away last year. One was 100 and one was 93. Wow. So you, you, you know, the family's there. Um, my dad was a respected person in the community and the, the construction industry. My mom's a realtor who's respected. So you, you, there was a name there. My uncle, uh, built houses and my aunt was, was the office manager and they, they believed in me even when they shouldn't have. So they, they took me to the, like their association meetings and said, Hey, my nephew's in the business, you know, um, give him a shot, mm-hmm. you know? And then I, I, the building industry association, I signed up for that and really just to get their mailing list. So, I mean, that, that, that Ohio state marketing degree, probably, I, I can't say I use it a whole lot, but I, I knew enough to make a flyer and I sent it to every builder in the building industry association. And I, said, I'm going to do utility work for new construction houses, but I didn't even own a Bobcat, but I listed Bobcat services as well. I knew because of the, the, uh, um, sales background that I could rent anything I needed. So I, I was mm-hmm. a little, I was in the know of how to, how to like maneuver and build without actually taking on a lot of debt. Yeah. To, to start a construction company, you don't even need all that much capital. Like you don't need necessarily to go buy a machine. And I, I it right. depends what kind of work you go get because sure, like maybe you don't get paid for 90 days or whatever right. it is. And you're floating, you know, if you have materials or rental costs, or whatever it is, you have to float that, but you can go rent the equipment. And so you can go land a job. You can probably negotiate some money up front, go rent the equipment and have at it. And I mean, it's not as simple as that. But you can cross your fingers and try to make it work. To start a business, you have to be naive. Exactly. You have, yeah, to, yeah. You have to be naive. I mean, 100%. I was, I, yeah. I remember, so I was fortunate. I got good advice. Get a good accountant, get a good lawyer. And mm-hmm. I said, this is before I even bought the equipment. And I sat down with the accountant. He said, what do you project? 
I had a business plan on how to acquire work, how to what I wanted to purchase, which markets I was in. But I even though I had had finance and econ and accounting at Ohio State, I really did not understand cash flow. No, I didn't understand. You know, I I knew what a P and L was or balance sheet, but I did not have a clue. So he was like, "How much?" And I hadn't really calculated it. So I mean, to think, uh, you know, I took on whatever that would have been uh, sixty or eighty thousand dollars in debt. And I think I built $188,000 the first year from May to pretty damn good. Yeah, it was, it was good. You know, yeah. and then, you know, 22 years ago, that was, yeah, I mean, meant first, a little more, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, you, you need that, but you really need support too. So, mm -hmm. so my wife, she was working, she had the health insurance, you know, those, those things that give you the foundation, you really need to, to, uh, to think about that you, you need that support so and i think the support's the bigger side of it i yes. think sure capital okay great you need capital but i think the support especially if you don't necessarily know how to run a company all that well and do this kind of work or at least shit like with my little my little fake grading operation right i run into problems all the time and i have to reach out to people because it's like dude i have no idea how to fix this or do that or clean this up or anything like that. Or, Hey, is, is this going to be too, too wet to do this? And and so I need to lean on others to learn just about everything I am right now. Oh yeah. And yeah. then that's the, that's the biggest thing that I what not, not biggest thing, but one of the big things contractors miss out on, they don't spend money on accounting, on bookkeeping, on lawyers until they absolutely need it it doesn't get you to a very good place if you can't operate your business effectively. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I was fortunate. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but, uh, when I gave my notice to the John Deere dealer, I had a contract that said I had to stay for 60 days. They'd never held anybody to that. Mm. So I thought I was out the door, you know, three days after I gave my notice, they're like, no, we trust that you'll continue to work. You're staying the full 60. Nice. So, what was a negative turned into a positive. I went and bought QuickBooks. Mm. So I actually knew how to run QuickBooks before I started versus going out and selling jobs and doing them for a month, then trying to decide to build them at the end of, yeah. of that month. Um, you know, excavating is, it, there's a lot of technical stuff you need to know. But, you know, when I think back, it was uh, return phone calls. Do what you say you're going to do when you're going to say, you know, say you're, you're doing it. So there's nothing earth shattering about how we acquired work. We sent a simple flyer. I had, I was fortunate that a couple respected people vouched for me as far as my, my aunt and uncle, they, I, I can't thank them enough. They, they allowed me to park the uh, truck and trailer at their, their place of business for, for no charge. You that's know? another, that's another thing you buy a truck and trailer and then you're like, what the hell do I do with this? Like, right. you can't go park it at least where I'm at. You can't go park in front of your house. No, I tried do to that. do that and it wasn't apparently not allowed. Right. Even that is something, something as simple as that. It's like, where the hell? And then where the hell do I work on this thing? And it, it's just like, there's a lot to it. Then a lot more than just buying a machine. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and there's those things that, again, I, I wish I still had it. It was just a legal pad that had 10, 12 pages of my business plan. Um, 
somewhere and moving and everything. I, I misplaced it, but you know, that the parking of the equipment was not in the business plan. No, you know, the storing of the tools, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, so well, even, even the tools, like you start breaking shit and right. you don't have the tools for it. I'm like, Oh, okay, well, great. Now I need to go get the tools. Right. Now I need to figure out what to do with the at least. And I'm coming at it from a very naive standpoint. I think uh, most people that get in excavating at least have a little bit of background on maybe they've wrenched on something or run equipment or just seen how it's done in the past. But I'm like, you buy a machine. I didn't even know really you needed tools. Like, and right. then I needed to go get tools now. And now Eric Jumper, every time he borrows my truck, there's more tools in the back from fixing something. Because he's tired of, of not having <laughs> yeah, what he needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah because he, yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, but it, it, you do have to be naive too, because it was, um, when I started the business, I didn't know what cash flow was until I ran the money, the company out of money. Right. And then I, I got an education on cash flow really, really quickly once right. that happened. Um, projections, I probably didn't have a projection until maybe a year and a half into business. And I actually had to sit down and think like, oh shoot, I need to go plan out when money's coming in. And right. in the beginning, I didn't have to invest very much. So you don't have to worry about it. You just, as long as there's money coming in every once in a while, you're good to go. Right. But then you start hiring people and you start to create overhead, which is is significant responsibility. And then it's like, oh, I need to be a lot more responsible because this is a hell of a responsibility. And I need to start planning accordingly. Right. And then you just, as you grow, you layer more and more and more and more onto that. Yep. Yeah. A lot of layers. When did you hire somebody? My first employee was my brother. He was a freshman at OSU construction management. We'd mowed lawns together and we did that for the summer. And, um, you know, younger brother, older brother, I knew at the end of that summer that that wasn't going to work for us, you know, and he went and he interned at other places the next couple summers. In hindsight, I was, I was a jerk. I would never talk to an employee or anybody the way I talked to my brother. Mm -hmm. I expected him to know everything, to read my mind and make sure that, you know, I just, I, I just expected way too much out of him and I didn't respectfully talk to him. Sure. And in turn, he didn't reciprocate, yeah, that, reciprocate yeah. that. But I mean, um, and, and we're great friends. It's probably one of the things I'm disappointed in because he is, he's got a great construction mind. He lives in Columbus and is, worked in and around the construction industry, but, uh, he's built a great life for himself. I have for myself and, you know, we get along. So, so, uh, he, uh, he worked for me the first summer and then, uh, Keith, he's, um, a guy I went to high school with. He's my right hand man. Now, um, him and I were just friends. We played sports together and whatnot. He, he said, Hey, uh, I, I know you started this thing. I, I really am intrigued by it. If you ever need somebody, I'd be interested in doing it. So he managed a, a grocery store. So he had started out as a bagger and worked his way up to a grocery store manager. He's, a, you know, starting a young family. And he comes to me and he's like, I, I'm really interested. I said, well, if you are, he was off on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Hmm. And he came and worked every Wednesday and Saturday. And I didn't pay him a dime. Really? He just, just wanted to learn. And I didn't have anything to give him, you know? So, um, so in year, year two, I said, I need a full-time employee. Will you come on board? And, and that was heady times. His wife was pregnant with their first child. My wife was pregnant with twins. I mean, talking about, we, we were, we went from being uh, amateurs. We had to be big boys now. So, yeah. um, you know, the insurance 
you know, I, I knew my wife, I wanted her to be a stay at home mom, that sort of thing. So I knew I had to, to provide insurance and all that. So, you know, I hear a lot of times on your podcast or other business people talk about not, not being able to provide health insurance. I think that's a myth. It's just a choice you make. Mm-hmm. We provided it in year two. Yeah, we, we were there pretty quick too. And it's a, it's a pain in the ass. Yep. It is not like, uh, oh, I need health insurance. Okay. I just go to healthinsurance.com and sign up. Right. It is, it's a God awful process, yep. honestly. And it's one hell of an education, but at the same time, yeah, you can have two people working for you and have pretty damn good health insurance. Just like the accountant and the lawyer and that we overpaid, like we got the best. I mean, I, I was facing three babies coming into the world. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to have the best insurance that, <laughs> that we can get, you know? So, um, you know, and that's just, I didn't, some of that stuff just is just dumb luck. Like you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you didn't sit there with some grand master plan. It's just, just, that was a circumstance. And it, it was, I was, I'm so thankful that that's the way it went out because we were, we were the only mom and pop or the two guys in a truck that offered benefits. Well, and, and, and now if you don't offer benefits or don't really pay for it, don't expect to be competitive when it comes to hiring. Correct. That's, I mean, at least when we hire, that's one of the, probably the top things. I, I, I don't think about it. Right. I can give a shit about insurance, honestly, because it's, I'm 27 healthy, right. single male. So it's like, pfft, if I break my leg or something, I'll deal with it. That, that's my mentality. And then, it, and, you know, young and stupid, like, right. pfft, nothing can happen to me. I'm good to go, man. Uh, but then everybody with families, that is top of mind. What am I going to get paid do you offer benefits? Right. <laughs> if you don't get past those two things, there's not a whole lot more of a conversation there nowadays. And it's right. like, I always, I keep coming back to this hierarchy of needs concept. It applies to so much. And it's not just human psychology from just an individual standpoint. It really is from a desire to go to work for somebody. There's needs that people have. And if you don't meet those needs, it doesn't matter how good your culture is or anything like that, or what, you know, even, even how much you pay sometimes there's just like a, you need to make sure you take care of people benefits, the whole pack. It's gotta be a package. There's more to it. It's, it's, it's money, it's benefits, but then it's treating people right too. So, you know, it's the whole, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle kind of thing. So when you talk about you and your brother too, it was, my brother was here a few weeks ago to visit he's in between jobs or was. So I was like, come out to Nashville, you know, you give this time off, come out here and we'll mess around. I had to work quite a bit, but then we got to do some skidster stuff and I I do do my work. And then I say, Tyler, go have fun. He's run the machine before he gets in the machine and uh, they have the the red tabs on the skidster doors to break them off. Right. In case you get stuck in there to just to break the whole door off. Right. And uh, he, 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 pulls one of those for whatever reason and busts half the door off and they're single use. I guess you can technically put them back on, but I don't know how to put them back on. Right. And, uh, my first reaction was like, you dumb son of a bitch. Like right. what, can you just apply a little bit of thought? Like, why would you, you've been in that, out of that machine before it's the same handle on the other side of the door, right. but you go for the red one that has a sticker on that says, don't pull this. And then I thought, well, a few months ago, I rolled this same machine and incurred $12,000 of damage. Right. So 
who the hell am I to talk? Right. <laughs> Humility, right? Yeah, Humility is the key. Sobered to this. me up real quick. Yeah, so I was like, yeah. well, okay, I have no yeah. reason, no ability to be angry right, right now because I could be a little annoyed, but I, I've screwed this thing up a lot worse than busting right. something on the door. Right. Um, where are you guys at today? Explain uh, the business today. Today, um, there's, as of yesterday, 13 full-time field guys. There is a office manager. Keith is now our superintendent running all our crews. Um, got an estimator named Jeff, you know, so, and then I'm in the office. I'm the owner, but my, my job is still the project manager. So, um, so we, we got, uh, you know, 13 full-time field guys. There's four of us in the office, but we probably run, um, we probably broker anywhere from two to 15 trucks a day at times. Um, really? I have a good friend that's an excavating contractor. And since 05, we've been teaming up. So he mm-hmm. owns a track loader, uh, 138 Komatsu, 50 excavator. And out of necessity, he was, uh, he's uh, held maybe eight years younger than I am. So he's coming up as we're, we're coming up and we couldn't do everything, but I was, I, I'm like, like I said, I'm, I'm, entrepreneur enough to take risks, but I'm also very conservative. Mm-hmm. So I keep my head count very tight. I always, you know, uh, I, I probably always need at least one or two more people than are actually on staff. So I, I learned, you know, that if I brought him on somebody that was very conscientious, another owner, um, we could, we could team up, but when winter came, he went and did his thing mm-hmm. and I didn't have that, that, uh, overhead to, to carry. So what, um, how does that work? Um, it works very well for us, but it's because he's got high character. So, but like, how does it, how does it look? Like, how does, if you break it down? We always charge each other. So a lot of guys, this is, I think, where they get in trouble. They want to trade. Mm. So right out of the shoots, I said, the only way we'll do this is if we, if we charge each other. So he's got a rate that he charges me when he's on my jobs that's slightly less than retail. So he brings out a piece of equipment in himself, but then in turn, there are times that he generates work and I send my guys to go work on his jobs and we charge him slightly less than we would the general public. So we give give each other a wholesale rate, but we take care of each other. Mm. And he, in time, he grew a fleet of trucks. Him and his dad had, uh, they ran four to five trucks. So I only own one dump truck. They own four to five. So, um, even though they're not my trucks, I feel responsible to them. We, we keep those trucks busy for the most part. But again, he, he hired a fleet of, um, semi-retired guys, guys that were maybe over the road truckers that are in their sixties and that, and Mm -hmm. they don't care about sitting for a month or two in Ohio in the cold weather, they'll go home and sit and, yeah, yeah. and that. So it's, it's very unique. I, and I've tried it with other excavators. It is, it's a very hard thing. Brennan is his dad or they're, they're high character. They're high character people that they, they never tried to poach. They never tried to hand their business card out. You know, I know people listen to this and they're trying to get ideas. It's worked very well for me. But it, it, I don't know that it works for everybody. You have to have somebody that you trust deeply that um, you're, you're both fair and you, tr- you go out of your way. I mean, he doesn't call me to say, hey, uh, fuel's up 
I need to raise trucking costs. I try to be out ahead of that. Sure. Hey, I see fuel's up. Yeah. I probably should, you know, you should probably raise your rates to me. So this, this kind of give and take, but it, it's unique. And it, it, uh, it came out of a, a tough time uh, without getting into it too far. But like uh, a couple of my employees, their brothers, um, they had some personal things going on in 05, um, a, a, a sudden passing in their family. So Brennan stepped in and covered for us hmm. and just jumped in and out of that kind of negative tragedy for better lack of better term this awesome relationship blossomed out of it so while we are 13 backdoor field employees you may maybe look at that and say wow you have four people working in the office we're really are we're we're managing some of of uh subcontractor stuff we're we're subbing a lot of stuff out so uh in some ways we're acting as a, a little bit as a general contractor at times so it is interesting too. Uh, at least, I don't know. If, I, I don't think every business owner is like this, but now that now that I'm a business owner, I do try to respect other people's businesses, right. and I'm like, I'm not going to ask for handouts, or I try to be careful about right. trying to get deals and that kind of stuff because it's like, well, I'd rather unless it's a big soulless behemoth. I'm like, screw you guys. I I I, <laughs> I see your third quarter results. Right. Like, you're doing just fine, Bubba. But um. If it's if it's these smaller businesses, I try to take care of them, and I've now gotten to a point where it's like I desire to pay full price, and I just like just tell me what's fair and tell right. me what works for your business, and we'll make it work for our business. And it was, and we're not huge, like we're still snug, but um, we are a little bit bigger nowadays, and to get there, a lot of other businesses have helped us. Correct. So you try to look for the opportunities to help as many others as you can Correct. because it, it only then helps you further down the road, even though that's not why you're doing it. You're not trying to get a goodwill credit or whatever right. it is, but it's just like this innate desire to, hey, if I can help this small business out, I, I'm going to because it just makes our business better off. Well, I mean, I even think back to like day one, I, I went to the local pipe supplier and he said, and I, I was fortunate because I'd worked for these other excavating contractors, so they knew me, but I had nothing. I had no credit. And they said, hey, we'll deal with the credit manager. At a, and this is a national pipe company, but run by local guys. And they said, you, you just, we'll get you your 30-day credit. Don't worry about it. But you need to pay your bills in under 30 days and don't ever waver from that because there'll be a day that, they, that you are in trouble and you're going to need their help. Mm -hmm. And if you go and um, you take care of that credit manager, that person is going to look back at your payment history and take care of you. Sure. And so when we we took a like a step up doing water mains, which are ductile iron water main, a lot of you know capital intensive, big money, yeah, big money, getting paid in sixty to ninety days, and our terms are thirty. I could call that credit manager, and she said, "Yeah, Matt, we know that you're good for it." I said. I will pay you half in 60 days and then pay in full in 90, but I still paid all the other bills in under 30 days. I just mm -hmm. negotiated on that, sure. that big ticket item. And so that, that advice that that guy gave me was huge. And I think that's what you're talking about. You take care of people and you're not, not trying to manipulate or anything, but if you, you if we all take care of each other, this is a, this can be a good flourishing business and industry, you know? Well, and, 
if you t genuinely take care of other people, put their best interests in front of yours, genuinely trust people, you don't get screwed very much. Correct. At least it's just been business is a little bit more fun. You don't always have to be looking over your shoulder. Like, where's, where's the boogeyman? I don't really worry about boogeyman around corners because it's, we're just going to do what's right. We're going to, we're going to try to do our best. We're going to be honest with people. Right. We're, we're going to just trust human beings in a very genuine sense. And if we get screwed, we get screwed and then we handle it and then we keep going and we don't adjust because we got screwed or we don't not start trusting people because we got screwed. whatever it is. Right. It's just like, you just try to be good and sure, bad stuff does happen. Sure. that You know, the world is full of variables, right. but it, it's, it's this whole mentality that I think serves you so much better. If you're in business, working for a business, whoever the hell you are, wherever the hell you are, it's just a really sound principle that makes things a lot more, a lot more fun and just less stressful. In the relationships are the fun part of this. Yeah. You know, dealing with taxes and insurance and that, not fun. Mm. Building these relationships that last years, that, that's the fun part. And, I, and I, I'm very, um, you know, I'm conservative and cautious and I'm thorough, but I am very trusting. Um, we hire a lot of young guys and you have to be trusting mm -hmm. and you have to let them make mistakes and do those things. So I, I, I'm following you. You have to be, but a lot of people aren't. A lot of people are, are, are the complete opposite actually. Right. It's, it's, you need to, you need to earn my, it's, it's a, it's just a, I think it's flawed. It's, it's, it's entitlement and we're just not in an entitlement world anymore where me as an employee, I owe the employer something because I can go work for whoever the hell I want to work for right now. Right. And so it's, I don't have any, any choice but to say, I just trust you. I just trust you. But then what that does, and I talk a lot about this, what that does, I found is they're like, well, I don't want to screw this up. But if it's, I trust you, and then I'm doing things that clearly say, I don't trust you, and the whole trust but verify thing, which I don't really believe right. in, then they're not going to act trustworthy because, because you're not trusting them. It's, it starts with the employer. It starts with, with you rather than having this entitlement that because I give these people a paycheck, they owe me their trust before I give it to them. It just, it doesn't make sense. When, and I know you've talked about this a lot, like contractors, when it comes to training or something like that, they don't trust, not even just the training, but they don't want to invest in people because they're afraid that that person's going to leave and go work for another company. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've never been that way. And I've learned over the years like that, that uh, you pour into people and, and sometimes it hurts when they leave. You know, we've trained a lot of guys. We've, we've gotten a lot of guys, their CDL licenses and they moved on. But um, that, that trust that, that as long as you give me everything you got for the period of time you're at Bactyl Excavating, we're going to be good. Yeah. And you give me your two night, weeks notice and you work just as hard those final two weeks, um, we're going to be good. We're going to see each other. And again, this is that small town, you know, chances are I'm going to see him <laughs> at a football game on a Friday <laughs> night or something like that. Uh -huh. And, and so, so you, you do have to trust that even when you're investing in people, yeah, they could leave, but, um, more often than not, they stay and, and, uh, you get far more out of it than, than you put into them. And, and isn't that the, the goal of a business is to improve people's lives, your, your, your customers, your people, your vendors, whoever, whoever you interact with. And so even if your people leave, if they're better off than they were when they came there, 
I still look at that like that's a that's a win, and that's at least what we hope for. I, I mean, we have definitely haven't hit it out of the park, but that's the hope is even if someone does leave, I just hope that they're better off today than they were whenever they came into the business. And big picture, if we keep putting these people into the community that are better off because of our business, it's gonna your community is gonna be stronger. Exactly, exactly. And if your community is stronger, your business is stronger. It's 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 this whole virtuous cycle, but a lot of people don't don't see it that way. No, we we've been very fortunate, and I I remember we had a, a kid that uh, he was probably our fourth or fifth employee, and uh, we we really trained him up, and he did great. But his his real desire was to work for like a uh, city government, um, street department, water department, something like that, and he expressed expressed it to us, mm-hmm. and when he he ended up getting a job with the street department and leaving. And he was very transparent and he worked his butt off till the day, you know, he gave his notice, but he worked as if he was going to be a lifetime employee till the day he left. Sure. Well, like two years later, I get a call from a different water department said, Hey, this, this guy put you down as a reference. Well, I was like, you, you better hire him. He's the best young man you're, you're ever going to, going to get, mm-hmm. he will work for you and, and whatnot. And I actually got a call back from a different person at the water department. They said, this guy, your relative, I, we haven't heard, heard too many glowing references like this. I said, no, he's just a good, good young man. And you'd be, you know, be stupid not to hire him. But that, that comes from that wanting to see people get better. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want somebody, I, I, I had an amazing job at that John Deere dealership and I still left it. Because I was living a compromise. Exactly. I wasn't doing what I was passionate about. Yeah. So I I learned that lesson. I remember when I, I gave my notice at the, the John Deere dealership, the guy, uh, my manager looked me in and I said, I'm not going to talk you out of this. He goes, I've learned, you know, this guy would have been in his 40s at the time. He goes, I've managed enough people and learned. I'm not talking you out. You made up your mind. I, I got you. Mm-hmm. You know, I support you. And we, he just retired from from the John Deere dealer last year. but. We, we'd have, have lunch together once or twice a year for the last 20 some years because I didn't burn a bridge when I left. He didn't sure. burn a bridge when, when he let me leave, you know, so I'm, I'm a huge relationship person. I think that that's uh, trust and relationships. All that stuff is, is very key to our success. So, so you've six kids, but there's limited involvement in the family business. Yes. Yep. We're a unique family. We're a blended family. So kind of part of this story I skipped and, and um, is my first wife passed away in 08. Hmm. So she's um, developed a very bad brain tumor and suddenly passed. Um, so um, here I am with three kids running a business. This is 08, part of the great rece- uh, recession, that sort of thing, and uh, continued to just I'm a man of faith. I, I believe in God. I, 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 I uh, you know, dug deep and, and we, we got through it. And I was very blessed that, uh, my, my wife and I, um, she was also a widow and she, we met about a year and a half after, after my wife passed and, uh, we began dating and, and, uh, you know, very fortunate we got married, you know, a year or so later. And, uh, it, it's been a, uh, an amazing journey. I mean, just, uh, um, to see our six kids blend together and um, grow up together and that and uh, 
the reason I, you, you asked about why they're not in the business or whatever, it, it, we, we never had our business at the shop. We were in commercial stuff where you, you know, in this day and age, it's hard to get like, take kids to work. Like I, I told yeah. you, my dad took me to work yeah. and, um, you know, very busy, you know, they're, they're in activities and everything, but, uh, um, you know, it was, it was a, uh, we, we still, we talk shop all the time. Like we're at the dinner table, we're talking business. My, my wife is a, a CPA and she's a very, very, um, intelligent person. She really, um, I, I'm very blessed. My first wife believed in me to start the business and mm -hmm. supported it all the way and that. And then when I got remarried, um, my wife not only, um, came in and said, you're going to you you concentrate on building back to excavating i'm going to take on all 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 these kids hmm. so she was full time at home taking care of them supporting back to excavating where she could but uh she she you know she's got a great background she worked for price waterhouse she was a controller at a manufacturing facility so she brought a lot to the table that was unintended right i mean we we got married because of love not because of sure yeah. you know yeah <laughs> anything like that but business, but the, the yeah. benefits of business but in the process of blending our families and growing we we uh i gained a great deal of knowledge and perspective from her she was an auditor well she looks at the world completely different you know she, she her job was to go into companies and kind of look at the to see where they were maybe in the books or she was making sure that they were compliant i think of her as is um, while she isn't there every day she's the the high-end consultant that a lot of companies have to hire so i've been very blessed you know we come out of out of something like that the tragedy part of it and then um there is there's no doubt that back to excavating wouldn't be there where it is today without um, her guidance and support, both with taking care of all the kids and running our household so well, but then having that that sharp business mind to to bounce ideas out of. And it's nice to have somebody that isn't there every day because I get caught up in the weeds and the minutia. And then she's there doing the, uh, she can see it from 10,000 feet. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, again, just like I was talking about my brother, I, I, I wish there were, there were times that when we first got together and she's giving me business advice. I was, I was protective of back to excavating and I didn't take it as well. And, mm. and, and I, I regret that. Like that's something that I uh, wish I would have, would have been better and more open to, but we've worked on that. And uh, it, it's been a very transformational part of back to excavating. So in 08, we had done our, or 07, we were a million dollar company with, I think uh, there was five of us, maybe, including me. So I was part in the field, part um, running the office. The recession, everything, we kind of regressed just a little bit. But um, since she's come on board, we've grown to, uh, we did about $6 million last year in revenue with, nice. with 16 employees. Sure. So um, we went from a 30 by 30 barn with a parking lot to you know, a 10,000 square foot office and shop facility and that. So, um, very fortunate we've, we've grown that way. So what did you learn through that period of tragedy? Um, cause there's a, there's a lot of people 
in this world that struggle with all kinds of stuff. It's like bad stuff happens yep. all the time. It doesn't matter how good you are, bad stuff happens. And especially in this world specifically, the dirt world, it's very common to just act like nothing's going on and <laughs> just go into work, do your job, man up, go home, and then deal with it. A lot of people don't deal with it in the most productive ways. Right. What'd you learn through that that period? Empathy. How to how to um understand all those things that you're talking about the people ignoring things so when the you know i i'm dealing with different things and um i'm not afraid to say like i go to counselors mm -hmm. you know right out of the shoots i i knew that to be strong and to be able to be a good leader for my kids first and foremost and then the employees that were at back to excavating i needed to be mentally strong so i'm a, a huge proponent of counseling and, and how that has helped us. It helped us blend our family, it, you know, just all these. So, so keeping your mental health. And then it made me aware of um, how much our guys are going through, mm -hmm. you know, so a guy goes through a divorce, it, it'll, it wrecks them, yeah. you know, or, and I say guy, because we are most of our field guys are, we have guys, but you know, anybody, man, woman, you go through a divorce, it's, it's gut wrenching. And it's going to affect you at work. Mm -hmm. So it would allow me when something bad or tragic happened with our employees to be able to step in, maybe give comfort, but also know what they needed, even when they didn't know what they needed. So if a guy said, hey, Matt, this bad thing happened to me and I'll, I need one day off, I'd say, hey, why don't you take the week off? Mm-hmm. And I know that's still not enough, but I just knew that from a safety standpoint, from their personal well-being, you needed that time, sure. you know? So um, I've pointed people to counselors. I've, you know, um, I don't know. We, we're a bunch of tough guys. We're, you know, my guys are no different than any other contractors, but I think we communicate better than most contractors. I guess off that too, it, it's um, one person's bad. It could be you know, losing a spouse. And another thing, it could be seemingly quite insignificant to someone who's lost a spouse. But to that individual, it could be the same amount of bad, if that makes sense. Yep. <laughs> and it's, it's, a very, um, it's a very personal thing. And some people just have, based on their history, just a higher tolerance to bad stuff than others. And it, it's... Uh, there's this tendency too to be like, well, it's just, you know, he's, he's getting divorced, which is a bummer, but right. a lot of people get divorced, but that could be the absolute worst thing that's happened in that guy's life Correct. and just yep. can just completely obliterate that individual. Yep. Um, and I've, I've learned that too. It's, it's, it's everybody's bad and, and different or everybody's bad when it comes to psychological trauma is completely different. It, it could be seemingly so simple to you, but could actually be completely crushing to that other individual. So I'll give you an example. So in, in May of last year, um, we had one of our foremen is what in you talking, these guys are in their thirties, right? They're not mm -hmm. older guys or whatever. His wife had a, a major health issue. So then, you know, he came to me and I was able to help guide in that. And then he got COVID while this health issue is going on. So you under, you, you kind of understand Things like, hey, we need to make sure we get this guy some meals because he's got these kids at home mm -hmm. and in that. 
But then we also had two guys, one of our foremen and one of our, our pipe layers, their wives were pregnant in May and due. So we're only 12, 13, 14 field guys. And I've got three people with major life stuff going on in May. Mm -hmm. So I just pulled everybody together one Friday and I said, hey, we're going to, I said, I need your help. I was like, we, we have to, you have to be, this is not a safety meeting. This is not a equipment meeting. It's not a finance meeting. This is, we're all brothers here. And I'm telling you, and I, I rattled off all the things that were going on. And I said, that's the stuff I know. Mm -hmm. And I know that every one of you has something that I don't know about. Mm -hmm. But I said, what we have to do is rally together. We're going to be shorthanded. I preached patience, kindness, communication, and just let everybody know that, that that's what we're up against, you know, and we're still dealing with, you know, quarantines for COVID and all that stuff. So really a trying time, but I wouldn't wish my, the, the tough parts of my life on anybody, but they have prepared me for those type of events where you have a May where, you know, you have tough stuff, but then you got the joy of babies coming and in, in that, mm -hmm. but you know, even just to see like, um, when my children were born, they were born on a Friday and I'm back to work Monday. Now my guys take a week off because we have paid vacation and that, but just to see young guys get to have that week that, that myself or Keith or, um, Keith's brother, Eric works for us. Like we didn't have those luxuries because mm -hmm. there was no backup. There was nothing, uh, but us, we just had to, had to work and, and keep moving. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, it's a part of the industry that's not talked about very much. But I, th I think it's it's a reality, and it's a shame it's not talked about so much. I think it's imperative to, to you know, we, all I hear is a lack of people and workforce and all that stuff. Um, we have turnover. We're, we're no different than anybody else. But the people that stay, they appreciate the things beyond the paycheck and the benefits. Mm -hmm. It's the the empathy, the humility, the the things that that the brotherhood, you know, um I know before we got in here we talked about your your kitchen and that and you know, it, nothing better than sharing a pizza on a Saturday on a tailgate, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yeah. that 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 kind of stuff really um it gets me going. You know, I love going out there and in that that 15 minutes catch your breath then you hurry up and get the work done so you can get home to your family. And instead of going home at five, you know, everybody's done at two or something like all that stuff matters. So you said something interesting too, in that you, you didn't just have a company to lead and want to be a leader for your business, but you uh, wanted to lead your kids. And I think we, and that this reframe, I don't know if kids or anything like that, but it reframed the whole leadership thing. I reframed it this past year in that everybody is leading somebody. Correct. And it's, you know, a common example is you're leading your kids. Right. Whether you think you are or you're not, you are. And you can be a good leader or a bad leader. Right. And it takes work to be a good leader. You're not just by default a good leader. Um, yep. And I think that's, that's an important realization for people to make is, hey, other people are watching you. You are leading other people, whether you like it or not. Right. And you have a responsibility to those people to make sure you're doing the work to be capable of leading them in a way they need to be led. Yep. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, you talk about leading your kids. I mean, 
I'm no, I'm no perfect parent. You know, I'm, I'm still an entrepreneur that works a lot of hours. But um, the way we built our company, like we could be twice as much revenue, twice as many people. Yeah. But we purposely, it wouldn't call it drawing a radius. We don't bid anything over one hour from our shop. Mm-hmm. So every night, all our people are home. We work Saturdays, but they're voluntary. Voluntary. Everybody knows to to survive in Ohio, you have to work a certain number of Saturdays. But we make sure that the people um, can get get with their families. You, you got to be at your kids' baseball games. You got to be at the recitals. Um, you, you know, I did not get to to go to like the doctor's appointments for um, pregnancies and stuff. My guys don't go to everyone, but they go to more than the first generation of us did. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's awesome. Like we've just figured out how to roll with the punches, you know, like you got a four man crew, somebody needs to run to the doctors or something in the middle of the day, they run, do it, they do it quickly and efficiently. And then they get back and they just jump back in and, mm-hmm. and do it. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you asked about why my kids aren't in the business. I think that's something that I could have been a little more deliberate about is maybe getting to the shop and taking them to things. But I also knew that I gave so much to the business. I need to step away. I need to take them to dance or to take them to the events. I needed to coach, you know, do those different things and get that separation. Um, I'm a, I'm a dirt nerd, so I could do this all the time. And I needed to be, I needed to kind of put some boundaries up in that. So, um, for me, um, you know, the leading, leading the family shaped also our business model too. Mm-hmm. So that it, and that's, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Sure. Well, I've enjoyed having you by. Thank you. Thank you. It's been awesome. I appreciate you driving down here. Yeah. Talk to yeah. us. It just, we've talked about this. It goes so much better when. It's in person too. Yeah. It's just so much more enjoyable. No, I appreciate this. We can, we can do the internet. It saves everybody time, but it's just not, not nearly what, uh, sitting down at a table is, is like at all. Like you were saying, working remote versus right. working in the office. It's just, right. you can't really compare the two. No. no. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks for stopping well, Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you.